Welcome to Rapidly Rotating Records, an hour of toe-tapping music from rapidly rotating 78 RPM records of the 1920s and 30s with yours truly, Glenn Robison. We've got dance bands, hot bands, sweet bands, show tunes, novelty tunes, blues, jazz, and more on everything from Aeolian to Xenophone and by everyone from Aronson to Zerky. On this week's show, we'll celebrate the birthdays of Jack Parker and Paul Specht, We'll throw several boomerangs and see if they come back, and we'll have a vocabulary lesson. I've checked the transcripts, and in 22 years of doing this show, I've uttered the word boomerang only once, back in 2008. But I'm about to say it a bunch of times in this segment about... Yep, boomerangs.
like a boomerang that zings and zooms and zings and zooms its way into your heart. Love is like a boomerang for what you give is what you get from someone else's heart. Throw a little kiss and someone else will throw a dozen from some unexpected part. Love is like a boomerang that zings and zooms and zings and zooms its way into your heart.
Harry Brewer was born October 24, 1901, in Brooklyn. He played violin in high school but switched to the xylophone, which he quickly mastered, becoming known as the boy wonder of the xylophone. He studied at the New York Academy of Music and was a percussionist and xylophonist in vaudeville and played in Roxy's Gang, the Radio City Music Hall Orchestra, the Clico Club Eskimos, and with Paul Whiteman. He worked on various radio shows and for the Warner Brothers and Fox Movie Studios. In the 40s, he joined NBC, where he was staff percussionist for more than 30 years, until his retirement in the late 1970s, but he continued to play, producing an album titled Mallets in Wonderland in 1986. Harry Brewer died June 27, 1989, in New York City. In 1943, Harry Brewer made a Soundies short film titled Harry Brewer, the world's best xylophone player, with his quintet, which featured Gene Blanche dancing to Harry's tune, Boomerang. And we just heard the soundtrack from that Soundies film. Soundies were shot on 16mm film and projected on the screen of a panoram, a coin-operated film projection device housed in Art Deco-designed wood cabinets, which were located in soda shops, train stations, taverns, and other public places across the country. Before Harry Brewer, we heard the Colonial Club Orchestra, led by Bob Herring, playing Lee David's tune, Boomerang. The vocalist singing the Billy Rose lyric is unidentified, but Brunswick 4517 was recorded in September of 1929. Boomerang was preceded by the Boomerang Rag, written by George Botsford. That's from a 5-inch Little Wonder record, number 473, probably made in late 1916, credited only to Band. Little Wonder records were single-sided, played for only about two minutes, cost only ten cents in most of the country, but were of inferior quality compared to the 10-inch records produced by Victor, Columbia, and Edison, which cost 75 cents to a dollar. We started this Boomerang set with an instrumental version of Lee David's tune, Boomerang, performed by Mal Hallett and his orchestra. That recording was made October 3, 1929, with copies pressed, labeled, and scheduled to be shipped on October 29th, so they could be in dealers' stores by the release date of November 15th. Just one problem. In mid-October, Edison executives decided to close the company's record and phonograph division, so the last Edison records were shipped on October 22nd. The rest of the inventory, including copies of this record were offered to Edison employees at a low price before they were sent off to liquidators. I'm the unliquidated Glenn Robison, and you and I are listening to Rapidly Rotating Records. Last week, March 24th, marked the birth in 1895 in Sinking Spring, Pennsylvania, of Paul Levi Specht to Charles G. Specht and Esther Elizabeth Reber. Specht came from a musical family. His father was a band leader and church organist, and was quite well known in eastern Pennsylvania. Paul received formal classical musical training in violin, piano, and music theory at Combs Broad Street Conservatory of Music, but he sought to combine symphonic and popular music. In 1914, he formed his first group called Specs Society Serenaders, which played at the Fowler Hotel in Lafayette, Indiana, and also traveled to Illinois, New Jersey, Michigan, and New York. On September 3, 1915, Paul married Loretta J. Morrison in Battle Creek, Michigan, but in the 1940 census, he's listed as single. 
In September of 1920, Speck's orchestra were heard over WWJ in Detroit, the first full dance band to be on radio. The band's first of about 200 recordings for Columbia were made in 1922, with another 70 sides by the band within a band known as the Georgians. Speck toured England several times and in 1924 formed Consolidated Booking Exchange, the first of several booking agencies he owned. He also wrote a number of songs, including Moonlight on the Ganges and Who Takes Care of the Caretaker's Daughter. The Paul Specht Orchestra was so popular that it was chosen over Paul Whiteman's to play at the presidential inauguration of Hubert Hever, uh, Herbert Hoover. Specht made his last recordings in 1932 and turned most of his attention to the booking business, although he did lead a band during the 1939 New York World's Fair. In the 1940s, he developed rheumatoid arthritis, which eventually forced him into early retirement, after which he lived in Greenwich Village and worked as an arranger for radio and television. Paul Speck died April 11, 1954, and is buried at St. John's Church Cemetery in Sinking Spring. Here are three from Paul Specht.
The last time I played My Annapolis and You was back in 2018 by the Harmonians on an acoustically recorded harmony disc made in 1928, long after most everyone else had converted to electrical recording. This time we heard Paul Speck's orchestra with their February 26, 1929 electrical recording on Columbia 1766-D with Johnny Morris taking the vocal honors. My Annapolis and You was written by Irving Bebo and Charles Weinberg and was the theme song for the 1928 Pathé picture Annapolis, which is set at the U.S. Naval Academy. The film's director, Christy Caban, was himself a graduate of the Academy. The last time I played Maytime was back in 2015 by Waring's Pennsylvanians. This time we heard Paul Specht and his Hotel Alamac Orchestra and their June 26, 1924 recording on Columbia 174-D. The 19-story, 600-room Hotel Alamac was located at Broadway and 71st on Manhattan's Upper West Side and was considered a skyscraper when it opened in 1923. And whose band was playing at the hotel's premiere? That's right, Paul Specht. Fun fact, the Alamac Hotel was the venue for the 6th American Championship Checkers Tournament, which started April 29, 1924 and ran for more than two weeks, finishing on May 14th. Specht also had a band at the premiere of the Hotel Alamac on the boardwalk at Atlantic City, New Jersey, which opened shortly after the Manhattan property. There was also a Hotel Alamac at Lake Hopetcong, a fact I mention only because despite its being the largest freshwater body in New Jersey at about four square miles, I'd never heard of Lake Hopetcong, whose outflow is the Musconetcong River. And I know those pronunciations are correct because I called the Musconetcong Watershed Association to make sure. That's right, Musconetcong. We started a tribute to Paul Specht with Take This Rose, the first time on the show for this recording and this tune, for that matter. Paul Specht and his orchestra and Take One of Four, January 14, 1928, issued on Columbia 554-D. Hero Durance wrote the music, and there are words written by Gus Kahn. Hero Durance also wrote When the Circus Comes to Town, Somewhere Over the Hill, and Journey's End, and we'll be getting a birthday segment on the July 24th show, which you'll want to hear. Trust me. Have a particular song or artist you'd like to hear on Rapidly Rotating Records? Well, you can send your requests and your comments about the show by email to glenn at rapidlyrotatingrecords.com or send cards or letters to Post Office Box 145, Claremont, California, 91711. That's glenn, G-L-E-N-N, at rapidlyrotatingrecords.com or Post Office Box 145, Claremont, California, 91711. The first segment of the show was all about boomerangs. And what is it boomerangs are supposed to do? At least if you throw them correctly? That's right, come back. As in these tunes. Who's that knocking up on my door? Who's that party you're looking for? Jumpin' Jiminy G, if it ain't you, that's who. 
Haven't seen you since last July. Knew you'd look me up by and by. Guess you realized what I said was true. What I said was true for you. Didn't I tell you that you'd come back? Didn't I say for you not to pack? Didn't I tell you that you'd come back someday? And baby, tell me, didn't I tell you that you would miss my affectionate hug and kiss? Didn't I tell you you couldn't stay away? Oh, I knew that you were going to be unhappy on another knee. I knew that you were going to find you'd left your happiness away behind just to show you that I'm okay. I'll forgive you, but by the way, didn't I tell you that you'd come back someday? Though I told you that, come right in, walk right in and hang your hat. Haven't seen you for quite a while, step right into my domicile, pull a chair up and have a cup of tea. Oh, gee, used to plead with you not to go. I won't tell you I told you so, but for argument's sake you must agree. Honey, baby, you'll agree. Didn't I say for you not to pack? Didn't I tell you that you'd come back someday? And baby, tell me, didn't I tell you that you would miss my affectionate hug and kiss? Didn't I tell you you couldn't stay away? Oh, I knew that you were going to be unhappy on another knee. I knew that you were going to find you'd left your happiness away behind just to show you that I'm okay. I'll forgive you, but by the way, didn't I tell you that you'd come back someday? Just listen, baby, I don't want to scold you, but you'll admit I told you. Didn't I tell you that you'd come back? Didn't I say for you not to pack? Didn't I tell you that one of these days, sweet mama would knock at the gate? Didn't I tell you that you would miss every affectionate hug and kiss? Didn't I tell you when you went away, chickens come to roost someday, I knew that you would be unhappy on another knee. I knew that you would find that you had left a lot of happiness, left it behind. Didn't I show you that I'm okay? I will forgive you, but by the way, didn't I tell you that you'd come back someday? Didn't I tell you? Hmm? The sun is gone, the moon is here, the stars are shining through. But every night when I see that moon, it makes me think of you. Now why don't you come back to me? Why did you ever me. I'm heartbroken, sad, and alone. If you'll only give me a chance, I promise I'll always be true. For there is no faith 
take your place I love you, sweetheart, I do
Joseph C. Smith's orchestra with When You Come Back, written by Hugo Fry. All of Smith's many recordings were on Victor except that one, and the tune on the other side, Calicoco, made for Columbia on November 19, 1917, issued as catalog number A2460. Although Columbia promoted the disc extensively, it didn't sell well and was pulled from the catalog within four years. Smith quickly returned to Victor. Before Joseph C. Smith, Orvon Grover Autry, better known as Gene Autry, the singing cowboy, with his composition, Why Don't You Come Back to Me? That's from Regal Xonophone ME54, made October 30, 1931, and features Autry's singing partner, Jimmy Long. Long was Gene's boss in the railroad telegraph office where Gene worked, and was also Gene's first wife's uncle. Autry also recorded Why Don't You Come Back to Me in 1929 for Columbia as a solo. We started the segment with tenor Jack Parker and baritone Will Donaldson, and Didn't I Tell You That You'd Come Back. Unfortunately, the piano accompanist on Edison Diamond Disc 52315, made May 8, 1928, is unidentified, but Didn't I Tell You was composed by Jimmy Monaco with the words by Billy Rose. Jack Parker was actually J. Donald Parker, who was, in fact, Horace A. Rua, R-U-W-E. I'm Glenn Robison, and the show is Rapidly Rotating Records. We're here each and every Sunday evening at 6 on Island Radio, FM 88.7 KISL Avalon, and KISLAvalon.com. This and all of our previous shows are also available 24-7, on demand, anytime at all online, at RapidlyRotatingRecords.com. Purely by coincidence, Horace Rua's birthday was last week, so he's getting his own birthday segment for the first time. Horace Rua was born March 24, 1893, in Englewood, New Jersey, to August and Caroline Rua. I don't have a lot of information on him, but he was inducted into military service July 5, 1918, and discharged April 9, 1919, with the rank of sergeant. Rua and his bride, Jeanette Jules, were married February 1, 1923, under unusual circumstances. At the time, they were both in the cast of the show Blossom Time at the Lyric Theater in Philadelphia. Jeanette was a dancer, and their wedding ceremony was performed by two ministers on stage, immediately following a matinee once all the patrons had left. The show's pit orchestra played the wedding march from Lohengrin with the bride, groom, and the entire cast in their show costumes. Horace and Jeanette had one daughter, Anne Alice Parker. Sometime in the mid to late 20s, Rua changed his name officially to Jack Parker, and he's listed in the 1930 census under that name as a singer in radio. I don't know how it came to be, but Parker had a long association with Edison using the pseudonym J. Donald Parker, and he recorded solos, duos with Will Donaldson, and was a member of the Edisongsters, Edison's answer to the Revelers, along with Donaldson, Frank Luther, and Phil Dewey. Parker also sang with Vincent Lopez, Ben Selvin, Joe Green, and with his own orchestra. In the 1940 census, Rua is shown with two names, his given name of Horace Rua, and what's described as his radio name, Pastor Jack. Parker made recordings as Happy Jack, but I couldn't find any references to recordings or radio appearances by Pastor Jack. 
Horace A. Rua died September 11, 1940, in Mount Pleasant, New York. Here are three from Horace Rua.
the Piccadilly Players with J. Donald Parker providing the vocal refrain on Someday Soon. Edna Fisher wrote the music, and the words were by the Duncan sisters, Vivian and Rosetta, of I Got a Coded by Doe's fame. That's from an Edison Needle-type lateral record made June 27, 1929, with the catalog number 14035-L. Why L? Well, whereas most records have an A and a B side, Edison Records had an L and an R side. Why? The L stood for the side of the disc that should face left when the record is stored vertically on a shelf, as opposed to the R side, which should face right. William F. Wurgis has over 400 entries in the discography of American historical recordings in the role of arranger, pianist, organist, session supervisor, composer, vocalist, and songwriter, but before someday soon we heard The Land of Going to Be, with Wurgis filling the role of leader of William F. Wurgis and his orchestra. The Land of Going to Be was composed by Walter Kolo, K-O-L-L-O, German composer of operettas and musical dramas, as well as popular songs. Ray Getz wrote the words, and the song is in the 1928 Cole Porter musical Paris, which also included the scandalous Let's Do It, which the censors insisted be followed by Let's Fall in Love. Brunswick 4116 was recorded on Halloween 1928, and on all of his Brunswick records, Jack Parker was credited as Glenn Wick, Glenn with only one N. With a tip of the hat to my wife's longtime friend, Ella May, we started our tribute to Jack Parker with Sweet Ella May, although our Ella May is spelled M-A-E and not M-A-Y, as in the song by Mickey Alpert, Jacques Renard, and J. Russell Robinson. That was the Harry Reeser Group, The Clevelanders, on Brunswick 4025, made August 8, 1928. You know what we haven't had in a while? That's right, a vocabulary lesson. Tonight's word is the very rare and obscure adjective vericund, V-E-R-E-C-U-N-D. A vericund person is modest, bashful, or shy. And here are some musical examples.
Unfortunately, my copy of the vocal version of Albert von Tilzer's tune, Eve Wasn't Modest Till She Ate That Apple, isn't quite broadcast quality, so you got that instrumental version by the Imperial Band on a U.S. Rex 78, number 5491. Rex records were produced from 1914 to 1917, but that's about as close as I can come to a recording date for that record. I can tell you that the lyrics to Eve Wasn't Modest were written by Charles McCarran. I'm Glenn Robison, and I'm very pleased that you've chosen to spend this past hour with me listening to Rapidly Rotating Records. I hope you'll click in or tune in again next week, and as always, I thank you for your very kind attention. My boomerang won't come back. Your boomerang won't come back. My boomerang won't come back. My boomerang won't come back. I've waved the thing all over the place. Practiced till I was black in the face. I'm a big disgrace, the aborigine race. My boomerang won't come back. 